0: I've been looking back over my calendar and my emails and my blog postings from October of 2009 and I'm left feeling absolutely thunderstruck at the intensity of what went down in those 31 days. Uh, it's hard to quantify the intensity of that month. I was pretty shook up for a lot of it and um, it seemed like one odd thing would happen uh, write one after another, and I, I had a hard time keeping up with it. I was pretty uh, wrung out by the time Halloween came along. And I'm doing this audio format instead of trying to write this out. It just seems like I talk fast and I write slow, and I feel like uh, it would just be an unending, long post to try to make sense of this. I figure my spoken word can um, attempt to articulate the weirdness of that month. Uh, let me look at my calendar here. Now, I don't know if what happened on October 1st. I don't really have much going on. I checked my email, and uh, a buddy of mine who I trust implicitly, he's a psychiatrist from Hawaii, said in an email, What have you been up to anyway? Judging from your blog, it seems like things are really churning. You mentioned being strangely fatigued. Why strangely? Um... Yeah, we had been going back and forth, and and uh, I've shared a lot with this guy. He actually, he's the guy I saw the five owls with, uh, and that happened in in uh, late August. So yeah, strangely fatigued. There's this whatever's going on is is uh, really sucks it out of me. So anyway, I'm going to jump ahead. On the first day of October, I signed up using my credit card uh, for a spot at the conference run by Whitley Strieber and his website Dreamland. In Joshua Tree, California. It was a few-day conference. Uh, I'll talk about that shortly. So, October 1st, I sign up. And October 2nd, I have a Tarot reading with William Henry. Uh, It was a paid reading. I did it over the phone. And and I just seemed important to do that before I went down to the conference. I will um, play an excerpt or a few excerpts from that now. And what I'll do is just put a little audio uh, beep in between anything if I edit something out or jump back and forth. But it's interesting. It's very interesting what comes up. Here we go.
1: card in the position that sort of represents uh, sort of the gateway, if you will, of where you're approaching this reading.
0: In in which position?
1: That's in the past position. And uh, that card is the reverse death card. And that's a very important card in the context of of this reading because um, you talked about the big changes and that sort of thing. And sometimes when the reverse death card shows up, it, it can indicate resistance to change.
0: Okay, resistance to change, that sounds exactly like what I was going through. That sounds like October 2nd, uh, through and through.
1: And what the world card suggests is pretty self-explanatory. You already said it. It's, it's about the floodgates opening. It's about your world opening up. Okay. There are two cards that I want to uh, talk about here. Um in the time we've got left here That one is the Eight of Cups That's one of my favorite cards in the whole deck It's uh, I call it the Star Trek card Because it says you're getting ready to go Where you've never gone before That's what all this is about Getting ready to take a whole new direction in your life And usually it's a uh, It's a spiritual elevation that, that causes this This is advancing to a higher spiritual level But what the card shows is instructive So let's talk about that quickly here Um cart shows a ship that is out in a harbor. And as we look at the ship, we can't tell if it's sailing in or if it's sailing out. Nor can we tell if the sun behind it is rising or if it's setting. They're both just kind of parked there. That ship that we're looking at in the harbor, that's actually you, Mike. And... What we're trying to figure out is, is your ship sailing in or is it sailing out? And everything else that we've been looking at here says your ship is getting ready to set sail. We know generally the direction that you're wanting to be headed right now. How will your life be different than it is presently? What will you be doing? Where will you be?
0: You know, I think I'm, I'm sort of, I want to play the role of investigator, Okay. and this kind of stuff and it's very interesting because the I mean the detective story that I'm trying to uncover is 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 me which is very different than, than like in other UFO investigators you know where they, they uh, so this is like it's weirdly personal um, uh, you know stuff has come up and it's the stuff that has come up most dramatically is when I look into it in a deeply personal way and it's come up in absolutely bizarre synchronistic ways okay
1: and then, so once you uncover that, are, are you then wanting to communicate that with people or to people?
0: I think so. Yeah, I think it's, an, I, I mean, in, and I'm not being self-absorbed when I say this, but it's, it's been an interesting story. The journey has been okay. really interesting. And
1: so then what would being able to communicate that story do for you?
0: Uh, I mean, I think my gut instinct, and this is, goes beyond that because I've actually gotten feedback from folks, is that there are other people out there in the world that are that are dealing with almost this exact same thing, and and it's equally as confusing and equally as um, you know breeding anxiety in them the, the way it has in me. And I think I can I can bring a little bit of solace and a little bit of peace to those folks.
1: Okay, to me that's the answer. It's the answer to what's going on now. You're helping others to get solace and peace. What can I do to integrate these experiences? And so. All we want to focus on is is that. That's that's the mission. As much as possible, especially for the next thirty days between now and Halloween. Just it's major attack time. So that's what it's about. And you'll create it for yourself. Okay. And, and you'll have fun doing it.
0: I hope I'll have fun. It's been some of this has not been fun. Some of it has no. actually yes yeah, so, so uh some, the
1: baby some of it is is. in the womb. Is that fun when it's in the birth canal? <clears throat> fun?
0: No, no, the baby's crying and it's uh, people are screaming, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so it's like now people are on their side screaming, Mike, get out of there, come out of there. And now you're out so here you go. This is kinda of what you've been looking for.
0: Yeah. This is interesting. This has actually been this has been uh resonates Quite true, it seems.
1: Okay, good. And so what has to happen here is you've got to bring up that vibration within you.
0: I had to edit that down from the original recording, and uh, I apologize for the sound quality, but that's this is the first time I've listened to the thing the whole way through uh, when I boiled it down to, the, to that shorter segment. Um, it was very interesting, uh, especially when he said, you know, for the next 30 days, the floodgates are going to be open. Uh, he said something to that effect. Now, that sure struck me. Um, as relevant given that this was the second day of October. Okay, now I'm going to jump ahead. I'm going to look at my blog and on uh, the very first posting and if you anyone wants to look at the blog at the same time you're listening to this, just click on uh, just click on any of the hyperlinks that say October 9 and they're in the text on the, uh, on the blog page. Uh, typical of a blog, you have to read them from the bottom up. The very first posting that I put up in October is titled, More Owl Weirdness. And I posted this on Sunday, October 4th. The actual experience, the actual set of strangeness, happened on October 3rd. And October 3rd was a Saturday. And I got up in the morning, and I'm going to retell the posting. I'm going to retell the story that shows up in the posting. I got up in the morning... And just uh, checking my email, and I stumbled on, just surfing the internet, I stumbled on a website called Synchronicity. Synchronicity is a website that uh, just catalogs short, synchronistic stories. It's run by a husband and wife team, and uh, this I, I've since been following the site, but if I'm not mistaken, I feel pretty confident saying it was, it was the first time I had stumbled on the site. Um, I found a story called The Owl and the Money Clip. It was a very curious story about a fellow... Uh, It was posted by a guy named Jim, and while uh, in a state of anxiety about money and and money issues, he, uh, just to get some peace of mind, went down to the river. This fellow also lives in Idaho, went down to the river, and um, while he was down there, an owl flew over and dropped something shiny. Uh, nearby, so he walked over to see what the owl had dropped, and it was his own money clip. It was a money clip that he had lost. So uh, I thought, wow, this is that's a very cool story. And I scrolled down. I was going to leave a comment because I have my own set of owl weirdness, and and I figured I would leave a comment. And as I scrolled down, I stumbled on a one comment, and and I have to say that there was an odd, just seeing that you know how you have a little uh, there's a little face that shows up next to these comments on it, and he, um. Uh, commonly on a blog posting. So there was a tiny little image of a woman's face and she had black sunglasses on. There wasn't much to see. It was very small. And I, my first impression was, and I've sort of learned to trust these impressions. It was like, I gotta, I gotta click on this. I gotta contact this person. But the posting itself that she had left, her comment said that she had, uh, like been in a, in a giant nest that she referred to it as, but a, a, uh, Oh, like in a meadow, in a circular meadow with, with over 30 barn and horned owls looking down and watching her. And she said, it was one of the most profound moments of my life. And I thought to myself, oh yeah, yeah, the 30 owls, this is like, this has totally perked my interest. I have to, I have to contact this woman. Uh, it's being the internet, what it is, I, uh. Just click on her face. I immediately go to her blog. It, from her blog, I immediately figure out how to contact her, and I write her a note and say, "Hi, um, I just read your comment in the the synchronicity blog, and your story about the owls. I I want to hear more. Thirty owls. You saw thirty owls in one place. So I clicked send, and that that zipped off. That email zipped off. It felt like just a few minutes later she replied, and she said. Yeah, here I just posted the story on my blog. I had done this, uh, I had written up this story as a, as a creative writing assignment of sorts. And uh, so I had it right online, and I just posted it. So here it is up on, the, up on my blog. So then I click on her blog, read the story. It's very interesting. She tells a story about being with a fellow, and this guy's name is Christian. And the story involves her sort of entering this... this spooky circular meadow and around the meadow are all these trees and, and, uh, and in the trees are these owls and the owls are staring down at her um, uh, very eerie and spooky and I was very impressed so I was like that is actually a really cool story so I email her right away after I read it and say well that's great that's a cool story and then and then she emails back in her email she says to me well when Christian and I drove home uh, from that day where we saw the owls, we saw a UFO and she just kind of drops this bomb. And I'm, uh, to that point, I just replied instantly like, you know what you saw UFOs the same night as the owls. I explained that, you know, my, my blog is, is totally, uh, uh, it's just, it's just my stories of UFOs, owls, and synchronicities. And here, here we've had all three in this short little thing to which she replies. Um, so here's her email. I'm just going to read a short little thing. She talks about uh, seeing the UFO, and she has this funny feeling about how time stood still, and it's very spooky and strange the way she, she tells the story. Yeah, and let me add, uh, Stacy is a very good writer. And then at the end, um, and I'm reading directly from her email here, she said, So funny. My friend Marla, who does interviews for Whitley Strieber on Unknown Country, has great stories to tell. She's tapped in. And then... She, this, is, this gets so strange. Now, Stacy did not know this. All this emailing between Stacy and I had had taken place on Saturday. Uh, Saturday, October 3rd. She did not know it. But the next day, Sunday, October 4th, I had a session, a psychic session that I had already paid for with Marla Freese. Uh... I was absolutely, fl- I was flipped out. It was so weird that somehow I had connected with, with uh, this friend of Marla's who like brought Marla's name up and said I was going to love her. Uh, less than 24 hours before I was supposed to do a a psychic session with her, and all of this in the context of owls and UFOs and synchronicities and a website called Synchronicity. uh Uh, uh the that was. Kind of weird and profound. I, 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 the the intensity of that uh, kind of uh, floored me. Uh, I immediately emailed back to uh, to Stacy and said, "Are you kidding? This is like this is so weird." So uh, later that evening, that would have been Saturday evening, uh, 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 Stacy and I exchanged phone numbers and uh, we talked for a while. It was great. It was very interesting. Um, she seemed perfectly delightful and and uh, uh, keyed into a lot of the. Uh, more esoteric stuff that, that I've been delving into. Um, she was perfectly at peace and perfectly calm, it seemed, and I was um, a little flipped out. Uh, so, let's fast forward to the next day. Marla and I were uh, had an appointment at 1 o'clock, my time, um, mountain time, 1 o'clock, we were supposed to talk. So, I was kind of pacing the house, I was dealing with stuff, I was a little kind of flipped out from all the events from yesterday. At about 11 o'clock... I get the phone rings, and it's Marla, and, um, (laughs) this is, this is hard to explain, so she's kind of angry. She's kind of, she's like, she's like, okay, what happened? What is going on here? I just talked to Stacy, and Stacy said that, that you had contacted her, and how, you know, she was, she was kind of like, you know, what is going on here? How did this happen? And I was just like, uh, uh, I don't know, it's weird to me too, so she, um, she said, you know, something is stressing me out. So she didn't say it like that. She said, she, she kind of, uh, in a very stern sort of way said, okay, you have to come to this psychic reading with an open heart chakra. And, uh, and I was like, uh, okay. Um, so, uh, we didn't talk much. She said, I don't want to know anything about your life and we and have to come as, with an open heart chakra. And, uh, so I, we hung up the phone and, um, and I thought, oh, that was, you know, like, I wasn't even sure what that meant. So uh, I did actually sit on the couch for a little while and just try to relax and just think, like, open heart chakra, open heart chakra. Uh, I don't know if it worked. But at um, the appointment was at 1. At 12.30, the phone rang, and it was Marla. And she basically said, listen, I can't stand this anymore. We are starting right now. And uh, she, in no uncertain terms, said, like, you know, her... Oh, the psychic, her psychic contacts or her, the psychic voice or the, or the source that she works from, uh, was, was acting impatient. And, uh, so I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I took some notes from that session and, um, it's interesting rereading the notes because the one thing, there's a lot of things she hit, she seemed to hit, you know, the nail on the head on a lot of stuff that I thought was very curious. The one thing that, sh- that I do have written down here, I actually can't remember that much of the session. I was in kind of a, like a hypnotic fog or something like that. I was paying very close attention. I was taking notes, and the notes, you know, there's the session went on for about an hour and a half, and the notes, uh, um, you know, there's just a few scribbled things. The one thing that I did write down that I remember her saying, and she said it in kind of, um, I, guess I guess, in her channel voice, uh, she said to me, she said to me, you are here for profound things. Uh, and I didn't quite know what that meant. Um, I will also add that very early on in the session, I, I I'm pretty sure she started crying. Uh, I, I, I couldn't figure it out. She, uh, she also said that she had done a session earlier in the day. And something. This is what she said. She said this has never happened to me. And I had a session earlier in the day, and uh, and that was part of the reason I called earlier, and I was so stressed out. Is I gave this guy a session, and it was one of the worst sessions I'd ever given. And and I had, um, I had given him the information that i was supposed to give you so in a way she was retelling all this stuff to me uh, it was very strange i think i'm telling this all right yeah this is this is how i'm remembering it uh she seems like a wonderful person and and i was i enjoyed it greatly and and uh, and i got a lot out of it and then we hung up and said goodbye and um later that evening i called stacy and we talked, and, uh, and actually during that conversation with Stacy, uh, there was a little beep on her end of the phone, and she said, uh, can I call you back in a few minutes? And I said, um, sure. So uh, she hung up, we hung up, and uh, 15 minutes later or so, the phone rang again, and she said, um, do you know who that was? And I said, uh, I, I feel pretty strongly that that was Marla. And she said, yep. And uh, and uh, I guess Marla had called to check in, and and uh, yeah, just interesting stuff. Interesting stuff, this collision of, of things that happened in these two days. Uh, at the end of this audio recording here, I am—I uh, have a, conversations with both Stacy and uh, Marla, both of which are very interesting. And, and so, stick around. Uh, it'll this it'll, it'll only add to the to the uh, weirdness to hear what they have to say. Uh, Stacy will, in fact, describe her UFO sighting, which is really interesting. Okay, the next big event in the month of October, was the Dreamland Conference, which started on October 16th. But before then, uh, I had a a handful of curious little things happen. On October 12th, um, a bird landed on my window. I was actually talking to my old girlfriend, who lived in Los Angeles, and I was planning to visit her. Uh, I hadn't seen her in 15 years or more. Uh, she was my first girlfriend in college back in New York City, and uh, we still keep in touch. And um, if I was going to be in the Los Angeles area, I figured I should visit her. She was living in L.A. So so I just called her up out of the blue and said I'm going to be coming to L.A., and and uh, I basically asked permission. Hey, can I stay at your house while I'm there? And she said yes. And um, But during this conversation, this phone call, a bird landed, landed on the windowsill right across from my desk, and did this thing that has never happened to me. I've been living in this house for 17 years now, and this has never happened. And it sat on the window and tapped on the window. It was so strange. Um, it, and I'm usually pretty good with bird ID. There's not that many birds out here in this part of the West where I live. And I couldn't figure out what kind of bird it was. I've checked the bird books, and, and I, I didn't I didn't look that hard, but I'm stumped. So um, just a pretty uh, songbird. Uh, sitting right there, f- staring right at me on my windowsill, just uh, a few feet from where I was sitting when I was talking to Catherine on the phone. And uh, my cat was right there, and the the bird was completely oblivious. The cat was it drove the cat nuts to, to see this bird so close. So it tapped there for just a few minutes and then flew off. It was pretty forceful. Yeah, no fooling. This thing was pounding on the, with its little beak on the glass really hard. So that happened on October 12th. Let's fast forward to... October 16th. Uh, That was the conference, the Dreamland conference. You know, I've been to a lot of UFO conferences at this point. It's been sort of a guilty pleasure of mine to attend these things. I find them extremely rewarding, less so for the presentations and the speakers, and more just to have a chance to to talk with folks. Yeah, I talk to a lot of folks uh, with very intense uh, paranormal experiences, a lot of them directly related to uh, UFOs, um, people shared a lot of stories that would, would uh, you know, be classic abduction experiences, as well as things that were much more weird and much more profound. Um, so I met a bunch of folks, and I I, uh, I exchanged my email with some folks. I, I keep in touch with a handful of people from that conference in that, since then. During the conference, I talked with Ann Streber, and that's Whitley Streber's wife, and that uh, eventually led to a um, an audio interview that she did uh with me on the dreamland site and that would be for subscribers to listen to that uh basically me retelling some of the things i shared with her at the conference so um and and i found it really rewarding um but but uh no major weirdnesses at the conference i did meet um william henry and he's a super nice guy and uh talked to to him spent some time with him and then uh uh, just some other contactees that I had met um, at other conferences. It was nice to see again. The conference lasted three days and two nights, and and uh, it was in this really groovy uh, place that was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright and his son, off in uh, off in the desert. And it was kind of wasn't super well maintained, so it had this it was all bleached in the sun and had this kind of weathered feel to it. It was just a great place for that. Oh, one thing that did happen is I saw a bunch of owls there at a certain point, um, earlier in the fall, I had made a, a kind of decree to myself. I said, you know, I've been seeing so many owls. I'm not even going to pay attention to them unless they cross my path. Uh, it just seemed sort of, uh, you know, it didn't really, I wasn't going to say like, okay, I was driving. I saw an owl off on a fence post. Okay. That doesn't count. Um, I was only going to like pay attention to the owls that crossed my path. And, uh, in early October, uh, I was riding my bike through town, and sure enough, an owl flew across my path and landed in a tree. So it it bisected my path. It it basically flew right in front of me. And uh, and then that same thing happened at the conference. There was a main meeting hall, and this was on the first night of the conference. And uh, uh, people were sitting outside waiting for the doors to get unlocked and um, it was actually, you know, it, you had to sort of walk up these stairs, and this is a Frank Lloyd Wright, you know, a uh, piece of architecture and landscaping, so, uh, you know, it was this very uh, triumphant architectural thing, you know, you're sort of walking through this promenade uh, down this long um, walkway, uh, gardens right and left, and then tall trees, and you walk between the tall trees and walk up these stairs, and, uh, and at the top of the stairs, all the people at the conference were waiting there, including Whitley and his wife, and, uh, and as I walked up the stairs, an owl crossed in front of me. It was very uh, interesting. It was it was like I was that was kind of a a funny way to to uh, sort of step into the very first night of the conference. Okay, um, after the conference ends, I uh, went and slept out a single night in Joshua Tree National Park. I just parked my car at a spot that I thought looks would seem interesting, and I hiked off into the into the rocks there. Uh, very pretty. And uh, before I went to sleep, and I lay there in my sleeping bag, and I kind of climbed up onto this tall, um, rocky, uh, small peak that they have there. Just the, the whole terrain is dotted by these granite peaks that are very pretty. And so I climbed on top of one, slept pretty close to the top of it, and uh, I I was in a pretty funny headspace, and I and I made a plea to the universe, which I do sometimes. And um, the plea basically said, you know, listen, I am open for anything. Give me whatever sign you want to give me. Uh, wake up the next morning, nothing. Nothing happens at all. So uh, from that point, I get in my car and I drive to uh, Los Angeles, and uh, which isn't that bad of a drive. Uh, I will add that I do live in Idaho, and I consider myself a—I uh, did once live in New York City, but um, presently I am a bumpkin, so uh, it was very— <laughs> driving in los angeles is quite a trip having lived in a in a place with uh, my county has one traffic light i make a phone call and i say to to i make a phone call to stacy and i say listen uh we had plans to uh get together and i said i'm driving into la tonight i would love to, to stop by and say hello or meet somewhere and she says sure stop by my house she lives right in hollywood and i went right to her apartment and um you know walked up the stairs knocked on the door said hello uh, it was super pleasant there wasn't anything stressful at all about it in fact we both talked about that i said are you like weirded out or stressed by this you know it it had the flavor of a of almost like a almost like a blind date in a way but there was it was so low key that that didn't have any of that and i was in such a funny headspace that it was the last thing i was concerned with as anything sort of playing out as any kind of date so uh that wasn't an issue for me in the slightest but uh i met her nice son who was nine years old. Uh, We played Go Fish on the floor after dinner. And um, this is is funny, and I'm going to share this, which I think it actually is funny. So we played Go Fish on the floor, and her son would occasionally call me John. And then Stacy would interrupt and say, no, this isn't John, this is Mike. And that happened a few more times. He would call me John, and Stacy would say, no, no, this isn't John. So eventually her son went to bed, and uh, Stacy had to work the next morning, so I, um, we talked for just a little bit longer, and I said goodnight, and, uh, and I walked out of the, her apartment and down through the garden uh, that towards my car on the street, and uh, I had the most curious thought. It was a very pleasant evening, and I had th- this thought just popped into my head, and I've learned to trust th- these thoughts that pop into my head, and I said, you know what I felt like? I felt like the gay next-door neighbor that comes over once a week for dinner. It was funny. I was in Hollywood, and it felt like I was playing a character, and the character was the gay next-door neighbor, the nice gay next-door neighbor who comes over once a week for dinner. Uh, I get in my car. I drive to Catherine's house. It's great to see her. Um, Catherine is my old girlfriend from college, from New York City, from 1982. Yikes. So the next morning, I, I email Stacy and say, you know, I had the funniest thought. This is going to seem odd. But you know what I felt like when I left the house? This is more telling of me in a weird way that I've just been so gushingly honest lately. Um, You know what it felt like? It felt like I was the gay next-door neighbor. Uh, To which she immediately replies in an email. She basically writes, LOL, that's John. She she explained that John was their gay friend that would come over, and he had just moved, and he hadn't been over for a while. So I guess I was playing a role in a funny way. It certainly felt like it. So I have a perfectly lovely time with Catherine. I hadn't seen her for ages. We were compatible in 1981. We we're compatible now. It was great to hang out with her. Uh, she's just as funny as she ever was. Uh, there was a very sweet picture. Uh, thumbtacked above her sink was a drawing I did of our old cat. We had this cat named Brian. And I did this cute illustration. It was really colorful, uh, of the, of, and it was, and it was just, it was super touching to see that thumbtacked over her, um, sink. I did a bunch of, so oh, we, I hung out and, and, uh, one of the things I did do is I, I just went, there was a park nearby and I was, um, it was late in the afternoon and I was, I had been doing some errands around the town and I decided I'm just going to lay down in this park, uh, right near Catherine's house and, uh, and just take a short little nap, it was a just perfectly lovely afternoon. The sun was getting low in the sky, and uh it was in the Pasadena Hills, and it was overlooking you know the cityscape. It was you know like something out of every movie I've ever seen that was ever photographed in or ever shot in Los Angeles. So I lay down now, uh, I don't know if I actually fell asleep. I just closed my eyes for a little bit, but there's that sensation I get when I close my eyes. A sort of visual sensation. Uh, imagine you're on a beach and the sun is shining and you close your eyes and you just let a little bit of sunlight just peek through your eyelashes. I had been diagnosed with a, a slight cataract in my right eye, very minor. It does trouble me a little bit when I'm driving at night, but, but for the most part, there's no issues at all associated with it. Uh, but what it does do, it shows up in that moment, I, it, I can kind of perceive it. I can sense it's there. There's a visual image that shows up in the, uh, you know, sort of staring towards the sun in the afternoon. So, in my eye, I visually see this image, a round circle, which I, you know, kind of see in my ra- in that right eye. And this is so funny to try to describe. Um, what I saw in my eye was a little... Face a little seated person. It it looked for all the world like a person sitting in the lotus position, staring right at me. And this is very uh, hard to to define because I'm the only one that can see it, right? I'm the only one that has ever seen it. It's taking place in my eye, uh, so I can't say like, oh, here, look at this, to someone. I I did draw it. I actually did draw it. It looked like a caricature of me. Strangely, enough, I'm bald. I have kind of... Uh, my eyes are, uh, seem big sometimes, especially when I'm freaked out. My eyes get really big. Uh, so it was a funny little caricature of me. I had sideburns at the time, and the, the, uh, there was actually sort of these black shadows uh, that showed up as sideburns. And curiously enough, it also had the appearance of, a, of like a... like a classic alien... Uh, less the gray aliens with the big cat eyes, but it's it's it was a very unsettling image. Um, this very bland expression staring straight at me. I did draw it uh, later. I drew it. It was it remained in my eye. It is no longer there. I've tried in, recently to lay down and look up at the look up and uh, and see if I could get that image to appear. I did later in um, October when I got back home. I just laid on the floor of my house. Uh, the sunshine was shining in the window. I had a clipboard. I laid on the floor. I would relax. I would just get my eye at that, just barely open enough to to uh, let the sunshine in, and uh, I would get a nice view of it. Then I would sit up and draw on the clipboard. Then I would lay down, and um, and I have that image uh, posted online in the in the month of October. Now, I have to say, so let's jump back to the park in Pasadena. Um, the, when I very first saw this, I was I was completely like, great. Here I have this weird image in my eye, it looks like a seated Buddha, it looks like me, it looks like an alien, and nobody can see it except me. Uh, my first thought is, like, people are going to think I am, if I share this story, people are going to think I'm freaking nuts. Uh, whatever's going on with me, I have been weirdly honest, so of course I did share it. I wrote it out on the uh, on the internet. One of the things that was odd is I had just gotten back from that uh, conference with, William Henry, who gave a presentation. And in the presentation, he had these uh, PowerPoint presentation. I was going to say slides. I was, I'm dating myself. So he gave a PowerPoint presentation. He had a lot of imagery of, of like, you know, uh, Buddhist imagery, of, like, the Buddha sitting with halos, and lots of funny imagery of, of uh, early Christian paintings with halos. And uh, so there was... So here I was confronted just, uh, you know... Forty-eight hours later, after the conference, with my own image of uh, halos, so um, whatever happened, that that, that uh, the analogy of the halo in the uh, seated Buddha in all the PowerPoint images that I had seen uh, just a, f- uh, a few days before uh, did not escape me as being relevant. And if you look at the posting on the blog, the uh, the image is pretty arresting i mean it's this, it's this haunted looking face staring right at you know directly at me or at you or at the viewer the way I redrew it it, it the, the drawing itself is a little fuzzy it looks a little um the the drawing I did looks a little smoky rather than the way it actually appeared in my eye. It looked a little more like um as if it would as if the image had appeared through thick glass. It was a funny thing to try to draw. I feel um, confident saying that I did the best job I could, trying to get it. If I if I had spent any more time, I would have labored on it, and I was worried that I would have uh, I would have somehow um, overworked it, and it would would look less like the image. So I feel like I captured it very closely in that uh, illustration on the blog. Okay, back to California. The next morning, uh, I get up. Uh, Catherine and I have coffee together. Uh, it's great. It's great to see her. We hug in the driveway, and I climb in my uh, very chaotic little Subaru filled with stuff from a long road trip. I begin the drive home from Los Angeles. Uh, I love driving through the desert. I purposely pick the smallest roads possible I can drive. I drove from uh, you know all these little small little roads up through southern Arizona. Uh, I've Driven a lot around the west, and so I purposely was trying to pick roads that I'd never driven on before. I drove through Sedona. I had never been in Sedona. It was kind of late at night when I drove through Sedona, so there wasn't really that much to see. And I remember I slept um, a little bit north of Flagstaff. And I did th- what I always do when I'm driving I just pull off to the side of the road and I sleep out under the stars. Uh, I'm sh- quite sure I made a similar plea to the universe at that point. And then, um, I pulled into Moab. I wanted to stop and visit a UFO researcher, Elaine Douglas, and she lives in Moab. So I, uh, call her at some point during the drive. And that would have been October 22nd, the day I called her. She said, let's meet tomorrow morning for breakfast. I say, great. I hang out in Moab a little bit, um... Uh, go to a bookstore, and while at the bookstore, I find a copy of R. Crumb's Great Big Coffee Table book uh, where he uh, does a comic book version of the entire first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, and it is so bizarre. His somewhat uh, vulgar illustration style is set up very well to tell these stories of um, uh, smiting and... Um, and uh so and lots of um you know very hairy Arab looking people. Um uh, Mac Toney's had talked to me at great length about that uh, during some phone conversations earlier in the month. We uh we I, I had I hadn't even heard of it, and he turned me on to the book and there it was. Um and I, I uh, pride myself on following uh our crumb stuff pretty closely. So I bought the book The bookstore had wireless internet uh, access. I send off an email to Mac Tony saying, Hey, cool, check it out. I bought this book. It's so great. And um, that was the last email I ever sent to Mac. I go off into the desert that night and sleep out under the stars. And the next morning I come into town for coffee and I have a smoothie. Um, The woman behind the counter... You know, ask me. Do you know? Do I want any extras? And just out of, I don't know why I said it. I said bee pollen, and uh, which is a which is a uh, health food supplement. And I drink the smoothie, and I drink a cup of coffee, and the next thing I know, I feel terrible. Something is desperately wrong. My throat starts to swell up. My lips get all puffy. I can tell my eyes are getting all puffy. I start to itch all over. I walk into the bathroom of the smoothie shop. I vomit. I'm supposed to meet. Elaine Douglas shortly, Um, and I uh, go to my car and I barf on um, the sidewalk there in uh, lovely Moab, Utah. Uh, I felt terrible. Actually, I was quite concerned. I was very close to driving to the emergency room. I realized I was suffering from some sort of allergic reaction to the bee pollen. Um, As an aside, many months later, I talked to my uh, doctor here in Idaho And I explained the story to him about how I felt and the bee pollen and and the smoothie and the uh, reaction, which was, uh, you know, my lips puffing up. Uh, I actually lifted my shirt up, I remember, looking at myself in the mirror in the uh, bathroom of the uh, coffee shop, and I had, uh, um, you know, kind of this gruesome, mottled, splotchy red color all over my body. And he listened, and in a very, very serious tone, looking me straight in the eye, he said, Never have bee pollen again in your life. Uh and in no uncertain terms. Uh he said, uh you can die. Uh so there I was, uh, you know, uh, perhaps peering into death's great door, uh on the streets of Moab, uh barfing on the sidewalk. My airway I could still breathe, I could breathe the whole time. That was my that was my uh warning sign. I was I had my uh cell phone handy, I was ready to dial nine one one. So I uh, hang out for a little while. I decide I'm I'm doing fine. I figure I'm as long as I'm breathing, I'm I'm doing okay. So I go to uh, Elaine's house, and we had met once before, and that would have been in April earlier in the year. And we had a long conversation. It went great. She's a very interesting person with a uh, a lot of very strong opinions on the UFO abduction phenomena. So I ah uh, uh, I felt terrible. So I actually laid down for a little while at her house. She was very supportive and. Um, and recognized that something was wrong. Little by little, I could tell that, that the symptoms of the anaphylaxis were easing up. I sat with her. She made me some tea. I felt better. She did a lot of talking. I shared a little bit um, of what had been going on. Typical of spending any time with her is she's very um, capable of, uh, of um, sharing her conclusions, which are pretty dark, I'll have to say. So... Um, Uh, I actually spend a goodly part of the day. It must be well after 3 o'clock before I leave her house. Uh, My plan is to drive home from Moab to my house in Idaho. It's about a 12-hour drive, 10-hour drive. And um, I just figure I'll drive through the night, and if I need to pull over and stop, I will. Uh, I go to the coffee shop, and I get a cup of coffee, and I sit down, and I check my email, and... Um someone emails me, and I'm not sure who it was, uh, just someone who knew I must have had a friendship with Mac, and he says in an email, Mike, I hate to tell you this, Mac died. Uh, that's all I got uh and was found in his home. I, I guess that's what I found, what I heard. Um, I quickly emailed I remember I emailed David Biedney and also Greg Bishop and asked them, like, oh my god, is this true? I just heard this thing, is it true? And both of them emailed back pretty promptly that, yeah, it is true. Um, Mac had died very few details. He died in his house. I had, um... I was at a, I was pretty shocked. And I remember I sat in the back of this coffee shop, uh, kind of a groovy, hippie coffee shop, and sobbed. I just sobbed. I just put my hands on my face and just cried. I don't know how long I cried. Maybe five minutes. But um, and I hadn't cried for a long time. And and I was unconcerned about if I was making some sort of scene in the coffee shop. Uh, I searched the internet, tried to get some details. There were some. It was foggy. Uh, best anyone knew is that he had died peacefully in his sleep. Um, Earlier in the year, I had several conversations with Mac where where he talked about his health, and he talked about an incident where he had uh, some sort of um, heart anomaly that put him in the hospital. He had fainted uh, at his job, and um, he ended up going to the hospital and having all kinds of stress tests. Uh, He was 34 years old, tall, fit rode his bike everywhere, um, the doctors couldn't find anything anomalous that, that would, would um, cause any concern. So he left the hospital, and um, uh, my only assumption is that that visit to the hospital must have been caused by uh, some sort of existing heart condition. I will add that there was some, immediately on the Internet, there was some chatter that this may have been some uh secret government black ops uh, attempt to silence mac um i saw absolutely no evidence of that and i've spoken to his parents since then <sighs> this is hard for me to talk about mac and i never met in person and we would often say like you know like man we got to like sit down over some coffee and just you know hash it out and and i really i was working on a video or excuse me i was working on a documentary um some years ago, and i that's how I met Mac, is because I wanted him to be uh, featured on the documentary as, as a researcher that I could have a conversation with. Um, and that was selfish on my part. I purposely just wanted to talk to the guy. Uh, I never had the chance. I went up to the counter. I was about to get in my car. I had a travel mug, and I ordered... A Double Latte Short, which is what I would have ordered if I had been with Mac. Uh, we talked about coffee a lot on the phone. Uh, and, and if you go to his website, you can still access his Flickr account. And he has 25 pictures labeled coffee. And they are 25 pictures of um, uh, basically close-ups of cups of coffee. Uh, something I, some, Something I shared with him was a deep love of of a good cup of coffee. So I took that cup, walked to my car, and I started driving. Uh, it was late in the afternoon. Uh, the sun goes down early that time of year, earlier than it does in the midsummer. So um, I was driving at sunset, and I drove down Highway 128 out of Moab, and I purposely didn't want to be anywhere near the big highways. Uh, I've driven around the west a lot. I'm good with the map, and I traced... I, I drove home from Moab on the absolute smallest little roads I could I could find on the map. It added several hours to the trip. Um, I had an iPod, and on the iPod I had downloaded uh, everything I could find that Mac had been interviewed online, which is a lot. That's uh, you know, I don't know what it must be. Seven hours of of audio conversation with Mac. And uh, that's all I listened to for the drive home. When I uh listened to all seven hours of it, um I just started up again and started it again, so I I probably listened to it twice. It was a very eerie spooky thing to drive through the night listening to Mac's voice alone on some very remote highways. In uh, Utah and Colorado and Wyoming. Very sparsely populated part of our planet. Um, so when I left Moab during the drive along the Colorado River, big red glowing sandstone walls on both sides of the highway, uh, I felt chest pain. Uh, I was forty seven at the time and um, it was real chest pain. I teach for an outdoor school and uh, I'm obligated to have advanced first aid so um, I have to um, take these courses every couple of years so I, I know the signs and symptoms of a cardiac arrest uh, what I was feeling the cardiac arrest in the in the medical uh, guidebooks, and and, uh, the symptoms are described as crushing chest pain. Uh, It's often described as an elephant standing on your chest. That was not what I was feeling, though I did feel a very real pain in my heart. Um, I pulled into a little gas station as the sun was setting, and I bought a single aspirin, which is the recommended treatment. Uh, I took it, and I just um, hoped it wasn't the big one. I continued on driving through the night. The, the The aspirin did nothing to alleviate the pain. I was it was it was painful, and um, I didn't know what to do. So I just continued driving. The sun came up, and I was somewhere in southern Wyoming. And I got to my house sometime the next morning. I was pretty drained, and I just spent that. A good part of that day sleeping on the couch. Um, this would have been the twenty fourth of October, so roughly a week left of the month of October at this point. Um, there's a there's a few stories. There are two separate stories that I would that I simply won't share uh, on this podcast, and unless I get the permission from the people directly, I've asked well. I have not asked them. I know what they would say. They have asked me in no uncertain terms not to share their stories. Uh, if I added their two stories, which would take place um, and fit nicely into this last week, uh, each of these stories are, well, as profound an experience as I've ever had in my life, and both relate absolutely directly to this strange UFO abduction phenomena. Uh, Intensely synchronistic, very dramatic. Um, I, if I said any more, I feel like I would just be leading you on. So let me just say that, that these two events happened. Um, there may be a day in the future when I share something, but for right now, um, these people have to remain anonymous. And I consider both these people very close friends. On the uh, evening of October 30th, I stay up late. And I work on the blog. Um, I put together a, a posting that's a timeline. I just go through and, and chronicle the events in my life in a timeline format, and it's a very interesting state of self-examination. I say as much in the preface of the timeline that initially I did it just to help the readers, um, you know, any, this anyone that has odd life experiences and tries to articulate them. Um, it 's hard to keep track. you jump back and forth and some are a little foggy and so i you know I started um in my youth and brought it right up to the present day. The act of creating the timeline uh did two things I think it was beneficial to to anyone who wants to review the blog just to click on the timeline. but it also did another thing. It was a very interesting uh reexamination of my own experiences, and it was a little shocking to me. How it read when I looked at it. The my ability to place myself in a state of denial. Uh, I'm very skilled at that. I'm very good at it. Uh, and it was hard to deny that there was a pattern when it was arranged in a you know in a tidy, art-directed, bulleted point um, blog posting with, with uh, illustrations and um, and lots and lots and lots of hyperlinks. Um, I'm going to read a email. That I wrote. This was going back and forth between me and a woman named Lucretia Hart. That's her pen name, and uh, she can, she's linked to the on uh, the sidebar. Um, she's had her own set of very profound UFO abduction experiences that um, seem to fit point by point all the things that would fi- be found in the um, you know the alien abduction guidebook. Anyway, so uh, here's what I say, and this was going back and forth talking about the image in my eye and how, how absolutely strange I felt about it. I was writing her. I said I felt delusional. But this is this is me writing her. I'm not sure what to make of all this. Coming forward with my real name hasn't been an issue. But the act of looking deeply into my own experiences has been really hard. It can be a compulsion at times. It has been a lonely road. But very interesting. Thank you. I do trust you. Mike C. Okay, that went out on... um the 30th, the day before Halloween. So that's uh, pretty accurate in my headspace, uh, you know, summed up in a few sentences like that. And it is in this self-reflective mood where I can no longer um, figure out a way to deny some of the events that had taken place in my life that I scroll through and I find and review uh, my own blog and I look down and I see that there's a very small uh a little profile photo of a woman in the comments section. It was really hard to see. It was a a woman with glasses. And now I'm very cautious not to exaggerate on this kind of thing. Um, I know what it feels like to be just kind of curious. and, And there's also a feeling that I get which is different. And it was, I felt in no uncertain terms impelled to click on that face it was not a maybe Uh, there was something there that i had to follow Um, and that was a very deep feeling uh, and a very real feeling not just kind of some fluffy thing uh, that might be hard to articulate uh... this was real i click on her face uh... it immediately takes me to her blog uh, from her blog, I read her bio and some of her postings. And she has little YouTube things. This is Anya Briggs. And uh, at that chapter, she had been doing a lot of channeled sessions where she just would look straight into the uh, little camera of her computer and do these channeled, almost little essays, channeled messages from her source guides. And I was fascinated. It was so intense. That night, I sent her an email and said, um, you know, hey, stumbled on your your, uh, blog. I found it through the the fact that you are following my blog. Watched some of your videos, read some of your stuff. I would be extremely interested in talking to you. Here's my telephone number. The next day, Halloween, the last day of October, I get an email at... um, 11.55 in the morning from Anya, and in it she includes her phone number. I can't exactly remember when I realized that the email came in. Uh, And it was interesting because the whole thing paralleled very much at the very beginning of the month. I found an image of Stacy, very similar, a small little postage stamp image, and I contacted her, felt compelled to, and here it is the end of the month, and I find a small little postage stamp image ...of Anya Briggs, and I'm compelled to contact her. So sometime around lunchtime, I uh, check the email from Anya, and it's got her phone number, and, you know, I'm not sure. Sometime afternoon, I call her, and what unfolds is a six-hour, and it's hard to know. I think it might be over six hours. It might be safe to say six and a half hours. uh, A a six-and-a-half-hour phone conversation between myself and Anya. Uh, I cried. I was brutally honest. I was not shy at all about saying how hard this had been for me. Uh, Anya is very funny. Uh, She keeps on saying, I am not a New Yorker, but I lived in New York, and she has taken on a lot of the... Characteristics that I dearly love about that city. Uh, she, is, she does not shy away from giving her opinion. Uh, and then she also is a channel. She was slipping in and out of her channeled voice for that entire time. Uh, it was a very chaotic roller coaster ride. I told her pretty much everything that had gone on uh, in my life in the previous month. Um, she told me a lot about her story, the back and forth. I actually drew a picture. It's the only picture that's going to be... It's a picture that's featured in this, the, the opening of this blog posting of me. Uh, and I drew it that night, I think. Uh, and then I just used it as a, as a reference point and kind of redid it and revised it and made it for this blog posting. But it's basically me sitting using the telephone that's in the kitchen hallway uh, because... My cordless phone burned out of batteries and I had to use the the wall phone and Anya's cell phone burned out of batteries and she had to switch to another phone. So, you know, that entire day from noon to 630 was spent on the phone and uh, I was emotionally exhausted by the end of it. This phone call, the six-hour phone call, six-and-a-half-hour phone call, um, was one of the more important things that has ever happened to me in my life. At the end of the call, and this was just part of it, there's a lot of intense, bizarre stuff that went down on this phone call. Um, At the end of the call, all of a sudden, she started channeling Mac Tonys. And uh, at first... And Anya's funny, uh, out of the blue, in her kind of squeaky Ohio accent, she was going, Moby? Moby? She thinks I look like Moby. And for a short period, 15 minutes, she went about channeling some stuff from Mac. And he said a few things. Well, this is, I mean, whatever. Anya said a few things. That um she said was coming directly from Mac that were very interesting, only Mac would have known, and and it was pretty light he that the tone was basically like, huh, you know, you know f- fucking bad luck, I'm gone uh, and then he said something to the effect of uh you know, but where I am now uh I can dig into so much cool stuff, and and the illusion was the imagery was was that um, and I know how corny this sounds is that he had his uh, you know he was like leafing through the magic of the akashic records in this multi-dimensional world just beyond life. Uh, when Max's voice came through uh, through through Anya, I was. Sp- pretty much wrenched dry at that point. Um, all I could do was just drink it in as best I could. I don't know if I asked any good questions or not. I was, wasn't was really concerned with that. Um, Anya and I said goodbye, hung up the phone, and I went to a Halloween party in my little town. Uh, and I had a really nice time at peace and happy and that being at peace and happy did not define uh, 2009 for me so there was a very nice peaceful way to spend the last day of October 2009 in a Halloween party with all my friends in funny costumes except me Um, this audio essay is just at about the one hour mark. I'm going to play a very short little song here just to break up the content a little bit. Um, I will be back in just about 50 seconds.
1: That was a bonus track uh, tacked onto the end of
0: uh, the Beach Boys Pet Sounds CD. And I've always thought it was very pretty. Okay. This has been a hard thing to do. This thing right here that you're listening to. About the month of October for for a long time. Uh, And it's uh, it's interesting. October is, is two weeks away. This is so strange. October two thousand and nine is almost almost exactly a year ago as I'm recording this, and um that month has been stewing in my head in in such an intense way um these last eleven and a half months and There's a little more I want to share here in this in this podcasting format in the months previous, I spoke with Stacy and i'll and I'll play that excerpt here shortly. And I also spoke with Marla. And I'll start the whole thing off with an excerpt from Anya. And uh, here is a little 10-minute excerpt, uh, edited, heavily edited. Sounds a little chattery at times. So it jumps around a little bit, but um, easy enough to follow. Uh, a little excerpt of Anya and I talking uh, about the events of October. We talked for that time. and, and at And at one point, I can't remember the term he used. I think he used the term... Um, initiation or indoctrination,
2: yeah, yeah, something like that. What does that mean? Well, I mean, you think about what you went through, and they're saying you did it, you went through one, and then you were trying to pick up the pieces of your broken heart <laughs> with this whole like what's happening to me thing
0: is what they're saying uh that was interesting that night that after the after that long conversation, I was um I was in a really good mood. I went out to a Halloween party, and I was all jolly and and at peace, and and it was it was really uh, intense. The the illustration that I sent you um, doesn't look like that, but that was more just a level of sort of exhaustion.
2: Um, right, right, right. I I.
0: I, I mean, the culmination of a month of stuff exhaustion.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, but that definitely that was a six-hour phone call. Come on. Then.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, at, at the end wait, of at the end of thirty days, yeah.
2: Three of which I I was in channel for three hours,
0: and that's what's funny because you slipped in and out and back and forth and it's one yeah. voice and another voice. It was, it was.
2: intense.
0: Why was I so flipped out and why was I so intense about the the night before I saw your little itty bitty baby postage stamp thing of uh of your face <laughs> on my? Oh come
2: on! Are we really having this conversation? Are you serious? You're well, really. Is, I'm trying to. Keep going. You've asked me that that like 16 times. Well, now it's recorded. Now
0: we're recording it now.
2: All right. Okay. For posterity's sake, for the final time, am I going to be able to tell you the answer? Keep going. (laughs) The answer is you are star seeded soul, and I am star seeded soul, and star seeds are finding themselves at this time. Right now. Now, 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 the power of now, Eckhart Tolle, now. Do you understand this? I think so. That's your answer. Okay.
0: Yeah, it, it wasn't it was very it's very it's very mysterious for me still. And and, still and this it.
2: You and haven't done that poll with anyone else yet? I get it all day long. It happens to me at least once a day now.
0: It happens sometimes, yep. Okay. And I recognize it and follow up on it, and I don't turn away what? from it and I don't second guess it.
2: Good. That's very important that you don't second-guess it. You were doing that a lot in the beginning.
0: Yeah, you have no idea. <laughs>
2: it's not a very Homer Simpson just there. Yeah. Dope. Yeah, yeah because you are that. You are that, which is Mike Cleland, exclamation point, they're saying. Very jovially. They're in a really funny mood today. They're always funny, but Mike Clellan, Mike Clellan, Mike Clellan. Uh-huh. they're shaking their heads going, when are you going to get it through your thick skull, boy?
0: It is not as easy as it as, it, as it you would think. It's it, my my skull is very thick.
2: They're saying Anya accepts it readily. Why can't you?
0: That's an I, I can't answer that. That's an excellent. That's an excellent uh, uh, observational. You know they have their observational skills are very high, but uh, I can't quite figure it out. And I think part of it is just social stigma.
2: So wait, so you're saying it's hard for me to get this through my thick skull? My I,
0: thick skull. Me, my Mike's thick okay, skull.
2: Mike's thick skull, and it's okay. Anya accepted it readily. Women. Women have they honestly it's a gender thing and a conditioning thing. The more you've been exposed to something that you don't understand, the more comfortable you will be with the unknown. Mhm. The less you are exposed to something you don't understand, the more uncomfortable you will be with the unknown they're saying. Does this make sense? They're kind of laughing.
0: I'm not sure it's so simple. It's uh um
2: that's why they're saying, why can't you get it through your thick skull, boy?
0: Well, I'm pushing it. Through, I'm trying to get it through my thick skull. I've been so sort of, not, that's an odd question. I have no idea. I You're felt like I was.
2: Unknown. Exactly. You knew everything when you were growing up, right? Your concrete reality was all there, laid out like a buffet table for you, correct? Uh-huh. When something you don't know happens to you, like an unearthly event, like say, oh, I don't know, an alien abduction, or kind of raising one eyebrow and smiling. Which
0: I have no memory of.
2: Exactly. Don't you think it would cause you a great amount of fear?
0: I would if, think I would think it if would. Every,
2: if everything you've been conditioned to know is unknown to you suddenly. I I mean you had the rug pulled out from under your feet. Do you understand this? Yep. So why wouldn't you be confused and ashamed and afraid to explore the unknown? I mean it freaked you out, man. That's how they're saying it. It freaked you out, man. Yep. We understand, it's okay. But you've got to understand the dichotomy, the duality construct known as 3D reality did not prepare you for this. Do you understand this? hmm Nor did it prepare anyone for the most part. Anya is an exception to the rule. She's lived with it for a good 20 plus years of her life. It's nonstop all the time. So she's fairly conditioned now. Do you understand this? Mm-hmm. In August of 2008, we would not say the same thing. She's been, quote unquote, put through the ringer, as they say. Do you understand this? Uh, uh-huh. But she consciously understands it now. You
0: do not. And There's... I got pushed
2: off the cliff, or I
0: said, let me put it this way, I said yes at a deep level, Yep. much sooner than August 2008.
2: No, you did not. That's, that's not true.
0: I feel like when I said yes to doing the, the work on no, the, the you documentary. Did not.
2: No, you did not. That's only a conscious construct that you only then decided to do only momentarily. You have flit fits and starts, they say, fits and starts, fits and starts, and okay. starts. You're like a, a putt-putt machine, like a, they're showing me a Model T. You have to crank it up to get working, and then it'll stall, then you crank it up again, it'll stall. It's like you get so far, you go about five miles before you have to turn around and go back. Okay. I, I never turned around and went back. She just kept going. You constantly go back to the source of your pain and anguish, which is the abduction, and you can't get past it. You can't get away. Which I have no memory of. Well, that's your blocking point. That's the gas station you're forever trying to pull out of, and you can't. Do you understand this, Mike? You're stuck.
0: I sure feel stuck sometimes, but I felt like October of 2009 was was a was a 31-day kick in the pants.
2: What did we just say? You go five miles, and then the car breaks down, and then you have to go back to the auto repair shop. That's you, sweetheart. You're not a failure. It's not like you're a lesser person for that. It's just you have not allowed yourself fully the experience of allowing yourself the capabilities of understanding 3D reality through the prism of a spiritual being having a human experience. You just haven't, you have not fully integrated. If you keep going back to the same spot over and over and over again, you're diminishing your ability to go elsewhere by doing this.
0: And the same spot, meaning
2: the abduction
0: that is that spot on the sidewalk in
2: 1974. Mm -hmm. No, that's something else. We're talking about the one as an adult that you had. It happened twice, two times. When?
0: 1993 in j- January?
2: Mm, no, as a child, looking at the top of the roof, you were abducted. Looking at the top of the roof? Meaning you're looking at your friend's house and you saw the UFO. Okay. You were abducted that evening, sweetheart. That would have been 1974. Mm hmm. And then recently, as an adult. How recent? Nineteen ninety three? No. Like recently, like the other night. Like What? I have no There's, there's some, like two nights ago you had a... <laughs> What? Yeah. Okay. Did you have missing time the other day?
0: Uh I had my when I got back from Laughlin, Nevada, my yeah, that was my it. computer was thirty seven minutes off.
2: Mm-hmm. That was it. You said you were looking at the UFO when you were a kid in 1974, seeing this experience, and your friend. What did he say? What was the first thing he said to you when you found him again?
0: We saw UFO with lights and everything. He said we yeah. saw we saw lights and with a fucking UFO with lights and everything. I think that's yeah. what he said.
2: you got very acquainted with that UFO more than, in more ways than one. You went on that damn ship. Okay, just deal with it. You went on that damn ship. It wasn't the first time either, but this is the this was a pivotal one. This was a pivotal moment for you. So, obviously, I have no way of verifying this. But they're like, God damn it, you are on the damn boat. Like, this is why you keep... (sighs) This is why you keep stopping and starting the car, because you can't move forward. Okay. You keep getting abducted, sweetheart. They tweaked you a little bit. Okay. It was good. It wasn't bad. It was, like, friendly. You said yes to it. They asked you, and you said, okay. Okay. It was free will. It was not forced,
0: coerced, whatever. Okay. This all seems... But all my my gut intuition is that it's all been free will.
2: I have yeah, but for you, you're kind of free and clear. Whew. As I told you before, I told you before. Yep, no, you have said that before. No negative ETs involved here. I mean, yeah, there's regressive elements here and there. Sometimes they come sniffing around like a dog, but they go away. Okay, you're you're being protected, and you need to know this, sweetie. the one, two, three thing is not random either.
0: It doesn't feel random.
2: Not because I was seeing one, two, three all over the place like crazy. Okay, and through synchronicity, you learn how to trust more. Mm Do you understand this? That's the modality by which you learn fastest through that. Other people would be totally freaked out by the sheer volume of synchronicities you're having. Okay. If if they were in your spot. Okay. But for you, it's entertaining, it's delightful, it's wonderful, it's cool, it's nice, it's kind. And that's how you trust more. So that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing you're trusting more. You're putting your trust and faith in something of the unknown for the first time in potentially ever.
0: And next is an audio conversation with Stacy, uh, a very wonderful woman. And um, I have to say that I am so glad that I actually had the chance to meet her in person when I was in California last October. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I talked to you a little bit um over email. I just I'm just doing this October of last year it was so weird for me and I just wanted to um do like a little audio podcast with it and I just wanted to check in with you. Okay. And um the, the I just was going to say let's just do a little back and forth and just talk about the 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 events of that that funny email flurry that went back and forth between you and I when uh, I stumbled on your um Oh my gosh, when I stumbled on your um Sorry, that was really loud. Oh, my gosh! <laughs> I just got an email that came in, and I was just going to say, when I found your uh, your comment on Trish and Rob McGregor's site... and right. at, and, uh, and that's who just emailed me, Trish and Rob McGregor. Oh, that's funny. I don't know if you could <laughs> hear the, the ping, so... Um, I
3: could, yeah.
0: Yeah, that was them. Uh, uh, I, I'm interjecting here. Hey... I don't know if you caught that. Uh, my blog has a lot to do with synchronicities. Uh, I mentioned the name Trish and Rob McGregor, who have a blog about synchronicities. Uh, that is how Stacy and I met through that blog about synchronicities, through her comment. Um, if you listen in the background, there's a slight ping when I mention the name Trish and Rob McGregor. That was an email coming through while I was on a call with Stacy, talking about that site. I'm sorry I, that, that um, it's when the when the conversation continues, uh, we both just kind of blow it off. But this is very freaking typical of what goes on in my life. So, anyways, um, and uh, what was that like at your end? Sort of getting those those um emails from me and just the nutty synchronicities that sort of unfolded there.
3: Well, for me, because I, uh, for me, it was just another day in the life of, you know, because that kind of stuff happens a lot. So I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't get as much of a charge out of it as you did. I mean, the synchronicity was sort of wow in the moment. And then after that, I didn't really, it just didn't carry as much of a charge because synchronicity happens a lot. It's just sort of my way of knowing. I'm on the
0: right path so. and it's interesting because it's my way of knowing I'm on the right path too I really try to take it very seriously and I don't try to shy away from it but it does um, I, just to prep this I went through and read through some emails and one of the things that one of the emails that went back and forth through for us was where um, uh, you sort of said you know like huh this stuff kind of freaks you out and, and then you said you know and I just take it in stride and, and it does kind of freak me out
3: yeah it does freak you out yeah yeah because a year later you're still like sort of or almost a year later you're still very much intrigued by it. Whereas for me it's like so much more and the same for you, I mean, so much more has happened in your life as well. But um yeah, for me it was just like, oh, that was interesting and then I I move on. I like because there's so much magic that happens every day of our lives and every moment of our lives that I don't hold I don't hold any one moment more um Important or give one more one moment more power than any other moment if yeah it's yeah, sure that, make
0: that makes perfect sense and and one of the things i'm i'm I guess i in a way I feel like I'm playing detective and and I just think that the month of October had so many profound uh, clues and puzzle pieces in it and and it was such a it just was such a you know rattling month for me um, well what
3: have you what do you think has shifted in your life since that? Happen like that's where you would find
0: well I think the so like, was
3: there a lessening was there a lesson was there an opening was there a transformation that happened because of that, or
0: well, I know. think what happened after that month was was I was just in a position where I was no longer capable of of um being in a place of denial. I felt like I was in a place of absolute um like you know you know, oh shit, this is real. Um, and it wasn 't a peaceful you know thing to for me to to settle into that you know it was like oh you know I kind of was wondering you know how it was going to play out and and everything in that month was was basically a hammer over my head telling me that you know you know you idiot this is this is really happening and and i've tried to
3: is really happening or well what's that, really that happening? there's there's
0: something profound behind it all and I mean that profound stuff includes uh you know u f o uh puzzle pieces and, and the potential that you know of uh, UFO abduction events in my life.
3: Right. About. Yeah.
0: Hey, here's a question. And you just you briefly wrote about it and but um just can you just what, what but um what okay. would can you describe the UFO that you saw that night with the fellow Christian?
3: Well we couldn't really see much of it. I mean we heard it and then we parked and went down the road because it sort of landed behind us. Christian had a better look of it, look at it because I was driving, and I just saw something that looked like a streetlight. Um, and then it wasn't a streetlight, and it flew over our heads behind us. And so we parked the car. We were in an olive grove in central California, so we were way out in the middle of nowhere, basically. And... Um, and... Then we started hearing something that sounded like a semi-truck, which made no sense, because I think it was around midnight, or it was late. I think it was around midnight, if not even later than that. So a semi-truck wouldn't be, and we had driven past everything, you know, So and we didn't see a semi-truck, nothing, a semi-truck hadn't passed us, you know, so there was nothing out there. Um, and, and and were, we you, were started, you in the
0: car or out of the car by this point?
3: Um, no, we had parked the car, we're walking down the middle of the lane, uh, I mean, that's how safe we were in knowing that there was nothing out there, Mm -hmm. um, and so we were walking down the middle of the road, and then we heard something that sounded like a semi-truck that was coming closer, so we both just looked at each other and ran back to the car, and jumped in the car, and I thought we were going to get ran over, I didn't even know, and then the thing flew up over our heads and sort of flew out to the field, and it just looked sort of triangular and it had three lights um it didn't look like anything that i'd ever seen before it wasn't a helicopter wasn't a plane i don't know what it was
0: and can you just take a guess how big it was
3: no i i would have i'm like around the size of a helicopter maybe smaller okay yeah it was small um yeah and then christian and i just were just sort of silent about it <laughs> That's when you know you've seen
4: something that you're not quite sure. <laughs> because you don't talk. You're just like, oh, my God,
0: what the hell uh, was that? Huh. So anyway, it's fascinating. And I just thought that was so interesting that that, that took place um, that same night. Because the the woman that I was with, I wrote my owl story um, initially. And the woman, her name was uh, Kristen. And right. your story took place with this guy, Christian. And, and I've... Um, I, we didn't see a UFO that night, but but our relationship has been very um uh, we just feel like you know lost kindred spirits or something like that in a way that have found Personal each other.
3: and I are more like um, and now we're just sort of very comfortable. Yeah, he's definitely part of my spirit family. Huh? Then I've I mean, have known him since I was 18. So.
0: And uh, this is this seems funny. And my friend Anya, who is basically playing the role of my. Uh, of Marla in my life in a way. And she, I met her on yeah. the final day of, of, of uh, October on Halloween. And, um, she, uh, in no uncertain terms, like does all this, you know, you know, she jumps back and forth between channeling and, and past life, uh, insights and, and talking to the dead. And, um, but she, um, you know, like in no uncertain terms said like you and I were brother and sister, like, you know, 150 years ago in Paris, which I have no right. idea whether that's true or not, but it is a very, it, you know, if if nothing else, it sort of, it it rings true in a in a kind of metaphoric way, for me anyway.
3: Right. Yes, and that rang true when you came to my house. I definitely didn't feel anything but like a kinship to a brother, you know. And I even I think I said, did I email you? And I said. I think I had told Marla after you came, I said, wow, he felt like he was a, g- no, you even said it. Did you say it that night when you're like, I feel like I'm your gay neighbor? I, what I did
0: is I, I left the house and I remember standing on the street. And what I think the last thing I said when I left the house is like, you know, I don't know what's going on here, but I, I feel like I should play detective and, and, and figure this out. And uh, we said goodbye, and it was totally pleasant. And I and I remember I was and I had this thought that was very clear and very straightforward. And the thought was, you know, you know what that was like. That was like being the gay next door neighbor that comes over for dinner once a week.
3: Right, like it's a sitcom. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's that's how I felt. Like I definitely, and I know that you're not gay. And if you were, I mean, even <laughs> no, no, matter, but that's how right. it felt. Like it just it felt it felt like that.
0: No, it totally did feel like that. And it was funny because you're you're um. Your Cole kept on. Way we played go fish on the floor, and Cole kept on calling me John.
3: Right, which is our gay friend who used to come over once a week for dinner um, <laughs> before he moved to Texas. Yeah, and what was interesting is all the pressure. Talk about all the pressure that Marla had put on our meeting. I,
0: it was, <laughs> I could sense that, <laughs> and I felt it like was. It yeah. was
3: going to be some sort of I don't know. I don't know. Uh, she really did. She put a lot of pressure on it. And um, <laughs> she was mistaken. I mean, it just, it was none of that. I know. Um, it was funny. So, yeah, it it was funny to you. It was uh, eye opening
0: to me. And it was funny because I kind of had the sense that, you know, I was actually more nervous because I was spending the night at my old girlfriend's house um, right. from, from college. I hadn't seen her in 20 years. And, and, um, and that ended up being great. It was fabulous to see her and such. But, uh, but, um, uh, oh, that's so funny. And uh, I don't know whether it was a date or whatever that when I went to your house. But um, boy, it was. That's a funny. A lot of baggage to get handed on a you know a first meeting. All this synchronistic stuff that went down. oh well, yeah, us-
3: and you know, and I, I mean, it was just so it was bizarre. I mean, I think definitely that there was a reason for us to meet. And I don't know if we would have met if I didn't feel all that pressure from Marla to meet you. And, um, I don't know. It's just, it was like I was stuck in some sort of hurricane, which wasn't of my making. Oh, that's and interesting. It cause... Was... What?
0: Oh, that's what I feel like all the time sometimes. I just, I just wonder if I'm making this happen to me or if this is happening from some external source. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And it was the first time I'd ever experienced that. Um... And when something like that happens, you have to really listen and see what your own intuition is telling you. And that's what I found fascinating about October. Huh. for the first time in my life, I, you know, this, I really listened to myself. It was interesting.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I think this is the first time I've heard you say that, but that sounds great. Because that was the first time. It felt like, like, um like October of last year was, uh, you know, one thing was hitting me uh, over the head, and before I could, you know, my, while my head was still ringing like a gong, you know, the next thing was already, like, unfolding, you know, in essence, hitting me again and making the gong ring just, uh, you know, one octave higher, so. Right,
3: right.
4: That kind of stuff's always interesting.
0: Yeah. Good. Oh, well, okay, I'm, I'll, um... This was great. This is just what I needed. Um.
4: Okay, well, thanks. Okay, I'll talk to you soon.
0: Bye-bye. bye bye Here's a um short edited section with Marla Fries. This interview or this conversation uh went on for about 50 minutes there and it was sort of tricky to boil it down to something short. I um at some point I may post this entire 50-minute conversation. Some of it is in- interesting. Marla Fries is by trade a professional psychic uh and that seems to blend over into therapist and she certainly plays that role uh during this talk which I thought was interesting. And helpful for me, uh we talk less about the events of October in a way, and more just about um oh just ongoing challenges uh that are associated with this whole sticky gob of weirdness that i that I seem to have found myself um completely immersed in Well, thanks for doing this, thanks for saying yes, and I'm not sure how clear I was in the email the like, reason I'm doing this.
4: Well, you were clear. I just don't know how much I can, how much I can remember. But. Well, no, it's actually not so much
0: to, to remember the session itself. I have some notes from the session itself, and that's almost uh, incidental to the to the weirdness that led up to our session. The month of October for me, yeah. uh, October of '09, was out of hand. I just it took me a while to to, to sort of process it. Uh, October second, I had a had a tarot reading from William Henry. Right. That was great. And then October 3rd, the next day, uh, I had the most, one of the more intense experiences of my life was this back and forth between Stacy Warner and I.
4: Right, right.
0: And um, I, I don't know how much you remember of the events with the Stacy and the owls and the email and, and her. Well, crime.
4: sure, sure, yes. Yes, I, I remember all of that, but I think one of the most profound things, and I'm and it would be interesting to remember and and to link all of this stuff together for yourself because um, as I've been looking at uh, these amazing sort of um, cosmic coincidences, um, they they really do have a pattern. And if people were conscious enough to pay attention, they might they might find the similarities in their lives. So. Can you only imagine if other people took the time to do what you've been doing and looking at what you, you know, what you've calculated and, and what you've seen about yourself for the last year? It would be pretty extraordinary.
0: Uh, it hasn't been easy. It's been, I mean, just like dealing with this stuff is like, a, it's it's not, um, I, I'm, I presently I'm a little more at peace with it than I have been in the past couple of years, and I'm not sure where that comes from, that that, that uh, peacefulness with it, but um uh, you know, this stuff freaks me out a little bit. So,
4: well, yeah, well, and and to think that you are a part of something that none of us can explain. Well, what the, what has this whole process of last year done for you?
0: The process of last of the last year. I mean, the I, yeah. I think it's a lot of it is related directly to the to the blog format and to my my writing, uh, and and it's been fascinating in the sense that that um just the sheer volume of of pages that i've come up with on this blog uh of my own personal experiences has is telling me more than than you know than what bud hopkins told me in a way
4: well i remember last year talking about um you coming down off that mountain and really being in the 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 public being with people i remember that specifically from our session because you had cloistered yourself away up on that mountain, and um, you had shored yourself up for a while. So I remember specifically being directed to encourage you to push yourself to get more public and be with more public people, and you have done that.
0: And, and I, believe me, I'm still, I'm still holding myself up in my cabin more than what's healthy, perhaps, but um, uh, I feel like...
4: Uh... Well, you might not be going to many places but you certainly have been reaching out.
0: Oh, very much so, very much so.
4: Well, and you also uh, connected, I mean, you became sort of a, didn't you become a psychic junkie last year? (laughs) You've contacted a number of people.
1: Well, I met Anya Um,
0: Briggs, and I met, um, there was a woman earlier in the year named uh, Marissa Ryan, and uh I did a, so so I did a handful of psychic uh, readings, yeah. So, I, I mean, probably less than five,
4: And and what was the, was was there a general thread that all came through us for you? Well,
0: sure. It was, um, I think that I knew what I was going to hear, and it was sort of confirmation to hear someone say it from an outside source. And I don't know how to define it, you know, like whatever's going on. This stuff is real. Something very real is happening. And I was also at a changing uh, point in my life where it felt like, uh, you know, I needed to evolve and sort of take the next step and change and and uh embrace some of this stuff that i had that i had uh, either been in denial of or just been dismissive of or or just hadn't the stuff actually hadn't um reared its head up in a way that i that I was even in a position to deny it uh in the last mm-hmm. three years or so this stuff has you know memories have flooded back in and and these and the synchronicities have been in just monumental at times
4: well are you um are you having revelations about the past more, or are you having more revelations about what's coming for you? I mean, but what do you think's happening for you?
0: You're a good interviewer. Well,
4: you've called <laughs> so, to interview me, but... No, this but, is know, good. This is good.
0: Keep going. Keep going. Keep uh, um, going. Uh, what's going on with me? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I think part of it, I'm just becoming a little more at peace with, with this weirdness that's that's kind of at the periphery of what like any of us can 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 embrace what, easily
4: what gives you what What gives you solace i mean is there something that you
0: well a couple of things are happening one thing that's happening that's bringing me solace in a funny way is that people are um contacting me and saying things like oh i read your blog or i heard this audio uh, interview that you did, and and I just needed to comment and tell you my story, and then there's a back and forth, and and I and I find I can be supportive in those situations, and that's really rewarding for me. So that's oh
4: good, oh good, supportive for other people.
0: Yeah, very much so, very much so.
4: Oh good, good. Well, then it takes the onus off of you.
0: A little bit, and also I think that as far as being comfortable with it. Uh, as silly as it sounds I think I'm just like at a point of just out and out fatigue (laughs) like I'm just it's it's wearing me down and I just have to like succumb to the to the reality of it you know I'm just I just as opposed to fighting it which is not serving me at all or denying it which isn't working um it's just coming to terms with it you know it just seems like it's it's not going away you know either I, I have to make a decision either I accept it and integrate it or I um you know walk around being anxious and frustrated
4: well, that's, that's actually an excellent point. And um, <clears throat> it's funny, um, my God, you know, doing the work that I do, um, I have to recalibrate myself. And I also have to check in with someone who's known me for a long time. And there have been a number of things that have happened that have uh, facilitated me going back and seeing my therapist. And we were discussing this yesterday. We were discussing how those of us who are hypersensitive, which I'm sure you are, and those of us who have had um, either contact or—I mean, I might not be on the same level with contact with some of you guys that um, that have—but you know, I'm constantly interacting uh, out of different frequencies and with different energies and different entities. You know, not not only with the dead, but. But I have been bringing in information for Whitley and uh, other people who are contactees for a while, and she basically said, "Are you going to just inter- are you going to accept it and integrate it and understand that you are being guided and assisted, or are you going to run around being anxious all the time?" And I think Mike, and this might help some of your listeners too, those of us who are in this very heightened awareness, have to embody ourselves here on this earth. We have to become part of the earth. We have to be physical. You write me, you know, I have to write. We have to get this information out there and do everything we can to stay calm about it. And it's a real trick, you know, because our job is to embody what we're experiencing anchor it you know uh, make ourselves whole be here to be as physical and and reap the rewards of being physical and that's been hard i know it's been hard for me
0: um this is your 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 that's sort of the mission statement of this trip down to the desert i think just what you've said there um and, uh, it has, it can be very hard. And I think that, that kind of, uh, I don't want to say, you know, that anxious running around in circles thing, um, very much describes October for me. Um, you yeah. know, I was running around in circles at the same time. Uh, it felt like the universe was, was hitting me with stuff, you know, one thing after another before I could even process, before I could finish processing this one intense event, uh, uh something else would happen. Uh, do you know who Mac Tony's is? Who? His name was Mac Tonies. He was a he was an author um, and wrote a book on uh, oh his summation of like the UFO phenomena and and uh, he no, was No, 30...
4: I'm, I'm not familiar with who he is.
0: Okay, he was a close friend of mine and and uh, over the phone I had never met him. Uh, we had talked for years on the phone and he was a just a great uh, researcher and he was um, 34 years old and he was finishing up a book that he'd been working on for a couple of years and he asked me to do the illustrations and uh he uh, died in his sleep of heart failure uh that had a that was in october of last year had a really hit me hard and um i was in moab when i heard the news which is interesting that i'm going back down to moab utah now uh and the night i heard the news um I drove home to my house here in Idaho, and I had like crushing chest pain. Well, crushing is an, is an exaggeration. I had acute chest pain um, after hearing the news that he died of, you know, of heart failure, and yeah. um, and I knew it was psychosomatic on some level, uh, though it was well, scary. Well,
4: well, well, wait a second. It's not always psychosomatic. What happens to me when I sit with people and bring in their deceased loved ones? I will feel. Uh, sensorial sensation you know sensations in my body that relate to someone who is crossed over it's it's a clairsentient capability where um, I will feel my heart start to ache if somebody is trying to come in to communicate so he very well may have been close to you
0: he was very, very close well to may. me yeah
4: well I mean literally his spirit could have been very close to you and you know, when, when I sit with people who have cancer, um, you know, I start to burp. If, if they have an aneurysm, there's a pop in my head. You know, if they, had, if they broke their hip before they died, I will sometimes feel that. I will feel consistent things in order to let the family know in front of me that this is the person that I have. Very specific things. You know, like my oh, I feel like my toe just broke, and they said, yeah, 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 that's actually what happened to him before he died. So, you, it, it's not a psychosomatic thing. It very well may be another way for you to recognize whether these energies are around you or not.
0: So, so in February of of this year, I did illustrations for Mac's book. Um, he had asked me to do illustrations before, you know, while he was still working on the on the on the manuscript, and the and then the act of doing these illustrations uh i you know again this 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 chest pain reoccurred and it was it was a really
4: uh, well that's important that's really important that i would talk to him i mean this is this is this is amazing this is clairsentience where you are actually feeling the and and the next time this happens talk to him and say look just back off so i don't have to feel this kind of pain but talk to him. Are these the way, you know, do you like the drawings? Do you have anything you want to tell me? Do you want to suggest anything? And um, I think that you might be, you know, those are mediumship capabilities.
0: Oh, this is okay. interesting. Because in essence, I did that in, in less, well, sure. I guess it was almost overt. I, I pretty much said, you know, like I'm, you know, there's a meditative process to drawing. And I, and I in, in more than any other project, um, I sort of allowed myself to fall into that meditative process um, when right. I was working on the drawings for his book. So
4: well, you know this is you know what I do, I try and teach people, you can do this. you know, it's not like we go to there's not uh, you know necessarily um, in, in, our, in our colleges or in our seminaries, uh, opportunities to learn how to talk to dead people. But these are some of the things that that Start to happen when you do access them, and um, very e- you could have easily tapped into his frequency, or his frequency came close to you.
0: Okay, I'm chiming in here during the editing process. Uh, the stuff that uh, Marla shared here was really, really helpful for me. Uh, I edit out a big, uh, big chunk here, and then I'm just we're going to jump ahead here.
4: You had no support, but you were smart enough because you're an adult and you went out and you got tools, but you went out and started asking questions of people that are having the same experience. And you reached out to me, you reached out to uh, the Streavers, you reached out to other psychics, you reached out to William Henry, and there was a thread line that was going through this whole thing. You know, Each one of us, none of us knew that you were talking to each other I mean, we didn't know who you were talking to. Mm-hmm. We just knew that you were reaching out. So I didn't converse with William Henry or Marissa or, or Anya or any of those people. We all told you things, and we were all telling you basically the same thing, apparently. Pretty much. So here's here's you being mirrored as an adult saying, yes, what happened was real and you are now in it and you're old enough and brave enough and strong enough to deal with it. And a lot of people have to go through their thirties, forties, sometimes even fifties, to have that experience and go, Okay, now I'm strong enough to handle this. I mean, my God, you know, so I have to keep reminding myself <clears throat> excuse me, that my experiences, just like your experiences, are important enough that we must share it and honor other people's experiences too which is what she started to do which is kind of what the deal is it is in doing of the work that i am reminded why i'm here but it is in the day-to-day living of my life and accepting who i am and embracing who i am that um, that anchors me and gives and i'm starting to have more joy about that but it's very hard being, you know, who I am. It's hard, you know, being who you are, going through what you've gone through. And there are, you know, thousands of people like us, like
0: so Many thousands, must, it seems like, yeah.
4: Yeah. So we have to give support as best we can so that other people don't think that they're crazy, so other people don't, you know, freak out about the new age flakiness. There's nothing flaky about this. It is only uncomfortable because it's not uh, supported on a day-to-day basis within our culture. But as, as what happened to me yesterday, and this is kind of amusing, I don't want to support what we support in our culture. I went for a run, ran into a group of paparazzi on the sidewalk, and I'm like, wow, there must be something really important going on. And they said, yeah, it's Nicole Ritchie in a nail salon. <laughs> and I said,
0: oh uh, you're in california aren't you yeah, so. yeah i
4: said you've got to be kidding me
0: and and, and i, I live in i self. live right next door to yellowstone national park and i see cars stopped on the side of the road and i'm like good grief what, what's happening and there's a moose in a pond um oh
4: there's a moose right yes yeah, which is which is relevant. actually if you've never
0: seen a moose it's very rewarding to sit and see a moose in a pond so i can't that's it's quite beautiful to see that so but uh um, well, it, <laughs> it's it's a little different than than someone getting their nails done. I have to say. So.
4: Yeah, Nicole Richie, but but that's kind of you know that's God knows why it's the the ta- well there's lots of reasons psychological reasons why, but I, I think looking into a moose's life may be you know um, much more healing or much more rewarding in some way. It's very pretty. But yeah. it's, it's, yes, moose are. Is is the plural of moose moose? Yes. It's not. It's, well, not it's not it is, right? No,
0: it's the same thing. It's the <laughs> singular and plural is the same thing like yeah. Um oh god. Again, I'm going to jump ahead and uh, there's one more thing here that that just feels important to share.
4: And I'm wondering if anything like that has happened to you too.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, well, yes, I guess you'd say it's
4: happened as a as a as an artist. You know, have you created anything like
0: I did a drawing. Th- I, there was one final drawing that needed to be done for Mac's book, and and um, and I wasn't quite sure. And you know, like the, the there was just like there was basically a page, this blank page in the manuscript needed to be filled. And I said, oh, I'll just do a drawing. And um, I, this is very, you know, where where inspiration is a very nebulous thing. It's hard to define. You know, where where does inspiration actually come from? So I drew this picture of of Mac standing at a doorway, and he was tall, handsome guy and he's he's he shaved his head uh um and had glasses. So it was definitely him. And uh the act of drawing this I've I don't know if I've ever gotten so oh, I don't want to just say I guess kinda of lost in the process. In a you know in a meditative way where I didn't stress about it and I and I was you know already past the deadline, so I was already late for handing these drawings in. And um so I drew a picture of him standing in a doorway with a bright light outside the doorway. And I actually at the time felt really like um presumptuous that I mean like the implication of like the, the death imagery was so strong, you know, like standing in a doorway with a bright light and and, and uh mm-hmm. and then often that bright light, and almost as an afterthought, and it's it's almost if you look at it closely in the illustration, it's just a little teeny sliver of a few lines, I drew a little skinny grey alien, which which Mac was completely oh. fascinated by. And huh. um, so that image is a uh, and and then during a phone call with Anya um just yeah. out of the blue she just you know drops into channel mode and she does this in a way that's a little jarring sometimes she just started channeling straight from Mac and Mac was basically you know giving me final edit approval he he in no yeah. uncertain yeah, terms perfect. it felt, felt like i was sitting at a you know at a conference table in an ad agency and working with the art director and the art director was saying right. you know, great thumbs up you know i'm all for it good
4: let's move yeah. on good. you got my approval yeah and um how interesting. Well, yeah. And, you know, Ann Anne Streber always talks about the greys um, and the involvement with death. Uh, I have not experienced that yet in my communicating with the dead.
0: So, hey, so here, well, like, I'll just sum I, this up in a in – th- these are – you know, I'm, I struggle. I mean, the, the the complexity of my experiences is – you know, the, a blog posting is its own little tidy format. It's tough to oh, summarize cool. yeah. something that's that's rich and complex and and has little spider webs that connect off into so many different directions. And that seems mm-hmm. to be impossible to to effectively communicate the, the all the spider webs that go off. And so what what it amounts to happening is this turns into a very intensely personal set of experiences that that is yeah. it seems to be directed at me. At the same time that it's that it's interacting and and connecting with you know an, an infinite variety of of others.
4: Well, yes, and you know your personal experience is your personal experience. That's why people write books <laughs>
0: so or start that, blogs.
4: You know, so that the intricacies of situations can be read and put down and read or reread or whatever and um you know you're you're collecting for your own masterpiece
0: we'll see on that this thing um this audio essay has been one of the harder things i've ever had to put together I mean, certainly the hardest thing i've ever done for this blog I have tried to be as honest as I could be uh, without drifting into being maudlin. And after October of last year, uh, I'm looking at the blog postings that show up in November, just the weeks that follow. Uh, those are interesting to read also. And I, and if you've made it this far, I'm going to recommend that you read one short posting in November. It is called Head vs. Heart. I'll have it linked up on the um, the page here. And I want to say uh, to you, the listener, if you've made it this far, thank you so much for your attention. Uh, Anya has accused me of doing something she calls navel gazing, uh, which uh, this has been about uh, an hour, almost two hours of of, uh, navel gazing, where I basically like uh, uh, just spiral into a... State of self-examination. I, I don't know if it's uh, serving much purpose, but uh, but uh, it may not serve a purpose for you, the listener. But it has served a very important uh, purpose for me. It uh, it's been uh, intensely rewarding. And if you once again, if you've made it this far, thank you so much.